0: Culture Map presents. What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas. Here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I've got Ryan Saroka from Eighth Wonder Brewery coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week, Matt Harris. The uh, Matt, how do I describe you as, as a, a veteran diner and, and enthusiastic Houston eater? Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for being here.
1: A man of many words.
0: <laughs> uh, let's dive right into the news of the week. Uh, starting with the news that we finally have some insight into Walk-On Bistro and Bars Plans for Houston. This is a very popular sports bar in Louisiana. It is co-owned by none other than NFL uh, Super Bowl champion Drew Brees, the quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, and it is wildly popular with LSU alumni everywhere. Uh, The first two locations are going to be in Spring somewhere, uh, TBA, and Katie Grand, which is a uh, commercial uh, development at the corner of I-10 and uh, the Grand Parkway. So, Matt, I'm just going to throw it to you. What do you think about uh, the prospects of Walk-On's Bistro to make a splash here in Houston?
1: I would say they're better than average. Um, Actually, one of the... More recent trips in New Orleans, we we uh, visited Walk On Bistro uh, and for Sports Bar. I think they do a very good job.
0: Yeah, and we've seen a, a number of new sports bars sort of pop up around town. Maybe none more prominent than Moxie's. It's made a big splash in the Galleria. So it does still feel like, even though Houston has sports bars, and and even if you know, even if Little Woodrow's is on the move, and and Christian's Tailgate has expanded significantly, that that there's still a spot for a place like
1: walk-ons. A- Absolutely, um, certainly in the suburbs. I think that they'll uh, do very well. Uh, it's I, when I, uh, if I'm thinking about going to a sports bar, there's not one that just outside of maybe Moxies, uh, which I think does a really good job. There's just not one that I go to. So, which sort of tells me that there's still avoid there
0: right i'm you know in montrose certainly revelry on richmond is kind of my go-to there's grifts uh closer to where the station is uh nick's place a longtime advertiser on uh on various gun media properties so i got to give them their props for that but you ate it you ate at walk-ons tell us just a little bit about about the food and the dining experience there
1: yeah it's uh it's a little bit of a upscale classic sports bar um and I guess, full disclosure, when I'm thinking about a sports bar for me, it it is uh, 99% about the food. So um, that that part excites me. The, the food was really good. The service was friendly and uh, the TV setup was like you would want it. So I just kind of checked all the boxes, uh, good, lively environment, above average food, solid TV watching.
0: Yeah. And so, and I will say this is still a ways away. It's going to be the, they're currently estimating uh, the first quarter of 2019 uh, for when these two locations are going to open. They plan to open eight to 10 in the Houston area by the time they're all done, which seems pretty ambitious to me.
1: Uh, Yes. My eyes just um, widened a little bit. But um, again, I, I think that speaks to the, that there is a little bit of a void in the market um certainly the suburbs seem to be a uh, a natural fit for for that environment all right and
0: then let's move on brooklyn athletic club closed recently uh i drove past it the windows are papered over and there's a sign saying that it's closed for quote renovations which is usually the kiss of death matt are you going to miss brooklyn athletic club
1: well, you actually had to tell me that it was closed for me to realize that it actually wasn't closed um, so i'm not <laughs> I'm not sure it's um you know it's close it's in the neighborhood i you know I remember when it when it opened uh, I just don't think it ever got any traction. seemed to be some chef changes early on and never really had a good identity yeah, I mean when it opened,
0: it had this kind of Foodie buzzed a little bit. Shepard Ross was involved. Sure. Uh Jeff Axline, who had been, who had worked with Shepard at at BRC when that place was really hopping, uh, was involved. It had a great burger. Uh but, you know, neither of those guys stuck around there very long. Never really had an identity. I mean, you could go there to play bocce, I guess, but
1: not really bocce, but yes.
0: Okay. But
1: but it never
0: really it, it never quite caught on in the way, and, and whatever, whatever its initial promise was, it never really seemed to realize its potential. Square peg, round hole. But uh, my sense is that it will not be shuttered for too long, that, that someone's going to snap that up pretty fast.
1: Yeah, it's a great location, um, and the, I could see the right concept going in there doing very well.
0: Uh, and I am, finally, I am pleased to report that uh, Brad Moore, the owner of Grand Paras, along with his uh, partner, Camilla Clements, uh, Heather and Joel Swift, who are co-owners of Eureka Heights Brewing Company, and a couple of the folks behind Downtown Bar, uh, Houston Watch Company, have joined forces to open a new bar in Spring Branch called the Might As Well Lounge and Booznasium. Uh, Brad Moore is uh, a Houston bar legend at this point. I've I've even referred to him as the uh, Bob Dylan of the Houston bar scene. Uh, not so much for any specific reason, just that he seems like kind of a mystical figure and, and someone you want to know. But he's been behind Grand Prize and Big Star Bar. He's been behind uh, Sassafras up on the north side. He's been behind uh, Lil' Danny's Go Fly... Go F- little Danny Speedo's go fly a kite lounge. Easy for me to say on the East end. So it's interesting to me that the Boosnasium is in spring branch. Matt, does this mean that spring branch is like the next dining destination that we all need to be paying attention to?
1: That's uh that's a good question. Um, there does seem to be some synergy there. Um, I, uh, a bit nostalgic for me i actually uh grew up in that area i went to valley oaks elementary um but uh there uh there are a lot of good places to eat over there um but i think you have to know about them there's not one
0: well and they're mostly
1: taquerias and korean restaurants that this is exactly right uh and and maybe the polish place
0: yeah i polonia is somewhat Thank controversial you. yeah there there's a uh, it has its fans and it has its detractors.
1: So you know the the location is good. I think that um, it uh, is is ripe for someone to go in there with uh, kind of be a, a pioneer. Uh, Hollister Grill, I think, tried for for a while.
0: Right now, there's the branch on on Long Point, uh, Kyle Pearson, Kyle and Amanda Pearson's place, that I really like. But it's just far enough away that I don't get to very often but but a good mix of craft beer, inexpensive cocktails uh and uh, creative food it's It's a place that deserves more attention than it's gotten in my opinion but But this idea that that you know if the branch is there and the boosnasium is there, spring ranch could kind of be on the up and come that'd be that'd be a good mix, right? because it's one of the things we always hear from chefs is that you know the rent's too high. Uh, It's Nathan Ketchum's frequent complaint on this show is that it's hard for independent operators to get going inside the loop so uh, if we can develop some new neighborhoods that's why you've seen Bernie's Burger Bus and the Blood Brothers out in Bel Air and hopefully uh, Spring Branch can emerge as that because it would be nice to have venues for up and coming talent.
1: Uh, Yeah and and, and the location is good and and I think you could see it you know Carbock Brewery is not too far from there the uh, Viet tie is right there so it it has it has lots of potential i don't know that it's there yet kudos to brad for for putting his flag in spring branch
0: yeah i i have not had a chance to visit yet but i certainly will soon i always i always enjoy his concepts grand prizes uh very close to where i live and and always a little bit of a like a you know, I don't. I don't really think that I'm a regular at any specific bar, but it's about as close as I come to being a regular anywhere. All right, that does it for the news of the week. Slightly shorter than usual because uh, we're going to talk about Nobu in our restaurants of the week segment, and we have a lot to discuss. So stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So Matt, as I was saying time to talk about our restaurants of the week. And really, I brought you here because you and I dined together at Nobu, the New York-based, globally successful, Japanese-inspired restaurant uh, just opened in the Galleria. This is a restaurant that we have been eagerly anticipating in Houston for about two years now. Uh, In part, I think because of what it means to have a nobu in your city, right? That it's, it's this global brand. Andrew Zimmern has said when he comes out of a jungle, if he lands in a city with a nobu, he typically eats there, uh, both because he'll typically be craving that style of food. And also because it is consistently excellent in every city that it operates in. Uh, you are very familiar with this type of cuisine. You recently returned from another trip to Japan. You are a frequent patron of Japanese restaurants around Houston. Let me just throw it to you: What did you think of Nobu? Uh,
1: first thought would be uh, along the lines of what you said that we that that Houston has a Nobu. So to me, that's that's the biggest takeaway. Um, being its first week or so of of opening i would would probably withhold any firm opinions until a uh, a few return visits um but uh as it was interesting it was it was uh i found pleasure in in trying some of the sort of classic uh nobu dishes that uh, perhaps started the trend Um, that we see in in local concepts here over the last five, six, seven, eight years.
0: Right. I I, you almost it almost can't be overstated how influential this restaurant is. Yellowtail sashimi with jalapeno, crispy rock shrimp with a sweet and creamy with a creamy spicy sauce, the miso glazed cod. I mean, those are all Nobu originals that have been copied by restaurants around the world. And when we we tried all of them, because I felt like we had to, it's hard for the Nobu, from my perspective, it's hard for the Nobu versions to stand out. You're so familiar with eating them other places that maybe they don't have the impact that they did when they were first introduced 20 years ago. I mean, what did you think? Did you... Did you find the the nobu originals of these dishes to be better or worse about the same as the versions you've had elsewhere?
1: Not sure that it was better or worse necessarily uh the The presentation particularly of the uh um the miso black cod was was different uh it was a, a true glaze didn't have any liquid um with the dish. Uh, reminded me a bit of a lobe of foie gras. Uh, It was cooked very, very well. Uh, Probably enjoyed that dish the most out of the uh, Nobu classics. Um, But some of that, as you said, some of that was lost because I've had it so many other places. Uh, that I think do it really well and that do it really well locally. Um, as you mentioned, Tokyo, uh, coming back from um, Tokyo, the, the, the big takeaway for me was how good the sushi is here in Houston. Katarabata, Uchi, MF, Ku uh, do a really, really good job, and I think we're spoiled a little bit um being in Houston. And I think Nobu will do very well. Uh you know it was it was had a very solid crowd. It's big. Uh 280 seat and a spacious 280 seats.
0: Yeah, a very comfortable 280 seats. I I think that's one of the things that really is going to set Nobu apart is the quality of the dining experience there. It's a very pretty room. It's a very comfortable place to sit and have dinner. Uh, the services, I, we got good service, although I should say that they knew we were coming. So I would expect nothing less than good service. But I don't know that we got substantially better service than any of the people seated around us, for example. I also, I also think that you were talking about the quality of the sushi at Houston's existing sushi restaurants the nigiri sampler that we had, the the five pieces I thought were maybe the highlight of the meal for me.
1: They, they were very good, particularly the, the uh, Toro pieces. Um, but if I'm being honest, the Tamago was, was not good. And that's something that personally I'm looking for at a Japanese place.
0: Yeah. That is one of those dishes that, if you talk to sushi chefs, it's kind of how they
1: grade each other. It's yeah. It's, uh, agreed.
0: What, in what way did you not think it was good?
1: Uh, the texture was a little off. Um, and it was, had slightly overcooked. So it wasn't that just creamy palate cleanser. Um, that you look forward to after a sushi meal?
0: Yeah. Generally, I thought the quality of the cooking was very, very good. You talked about the miso black cod. We had expertly seared scallops with jalapenos and Brussels sprouts. Uh, the only thing that really came up short was the ribeye, um, overcooked, under-seasoned. It comes in a truffle yuzu butter, but that that wasn't enough to save it.
1: Yeah, the the accoutrements with the uh, with the ribeye w- were were delicious.
0: Yeah, crispy onion, like crispy onions on top.
1: Yes, great flavor, really added to the dish. But was missing some salt and, and a little overcooked. Uh, and as you said, the scallop dish was was fantastic with uh, s- some Brussels sprouts. It just really went well together, and the scallops were spot on. Yeah, I
0: mean, I the quality of all of the ingredients was great. We had an $85 tempura fried lobster. Uh definitely a splurge, but but one that I I felt okay about.
1: I I really enjoyed that dish. I thought that there, there was a a uh a very fair amount of lobster for the price tag. Um so, and and splitting between four people, I felt like that dish delivered
0: Uh, And then finally, I thought the desserts were good. They had, they sent us a little uh, bento box with like a a cake and some matcha ice cream. We had uh, what they called churros, but which I think you said should be called not a churro because they didn't have the, it was more like, um, it was almost like a dessert egg roll, like a a thin wrapper wrapped around some uh, dulce de leche. Uh, It didn't have the doughy fried,
1: you know, kind of... uh, a Japanese cannoli.
0: Yeah, yeah, more like a Japanese cannoli or a or a, a sweet egg roll, uh less like a like a funnel cake, which is kind of what you would typically associate with a churro. Uh and then a a like a date cake I think that was especially delicious. I think we we polished that off pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, the presentation on the desserts was was really interesting. Um and uh lacked a little bit of sweetness for me but that's that's I'm that's probably acute to my my palate I I I look for that really little punch of sweet at the end of the meal um but definitely enjoyed the desserts and you know it was uh it, it was a solid experience i think topped off by the service followed by the space and
0: Followed by the, and the crowd, right? Stylish, young, very well-dressed, good mood. You know, people are there. People are there for an experience. They, they're there with a sense of occasion. They're excited to be at this restaurant. And I, I think that kind of enhances the feeling in the room.
1: Yeah, it, It's all the things I'm not. So, <laughs> uh. Right. Uh, so you said you have to withhold final judgment
0: until you make a few more visits. Are you going back quickly? Do you think, or, or are you going to wait a little bit and see if some of the hype dies down?
1: Probably somewhere in between. Um, imagine that there will be be some friends that'll there'll be a special occasion, and, and they'll decide that Nobu is is where they want to celebrate, and I will happily go along and and look forward to to another experience.
0: Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat where. I, I certainly have Japanese restaurants that I like to dine at, uh, starting with Kata, but but some of the others too. But I know people are going to want to check Nobu out. Um, I know I'm going to want to kind of stay current on its evolution, so I will certainly be there again probably sooner than later just to kind of watch it evolve and, and watch people
1: react to it. And the menu is... Is large. So uh, it would be difficult, I think, to get, it would take a couple visits to to really circle that menu to get a a full sense of, of what the food's about. And then we do have a couple of other
0: new restaurants that we have both been to. So I'll give you your choice. Would you like to talk about East Hampton Sandwich Company or would you like to talk about UB Preserve?
1: Is it just one, or are we talking about one first and then the other one? Well,
0: uh, we've got time to do them
1: both, at least briefly. Let's talk about East Hampton first.
0: All right. You and I had lunch at East Hampton. I had, I had, oh, I had a steak sandwich with avocado and blue cheese that I enjoyed very much. You had a patty melt that was not quite as successful, but you've been to East you've also been to East Hampton at least twice. Is this a good addition to Houston?
1: I think it is a good addition to Houston. It um I had uh what I would call two classics. Um the first time I went, I had the Cuban. Um and when we uh, had lunch the other day, I had the patty melt, uh, and my feelings were similar on both of those. they the flavors were good, they were enjoyable. there was nothing wrong with them, but they didn't strike me as the Cuban or as a patty melt.
0: Yeah, I generally agree with you I, I mean I haven't tried the I have not tried the Cuban sandwich yet. Uh, I did try the patty melt. It just didn't have the kind of greasy exuberance in the same way that, say, the party melt at Better Luck like Tomorrow does, right? It, it wasn't swimming in sautéed onions. It, it didn't have the hard kind of crunch from the rye bread. It didn't have the gooey cheese. It's just, you know, it's like a more dainty version of a patty melt, which is not why people eat patty melts. On the other hand, having had two different steak sandwiches there across my two visits, I think that's really maybe the standout protein is that sliced filet mignon that they do because I have found both versions to be very tasty and the combinations of the the meat, the cheese, the bread, and their their homemade sauces uh, to be very compelling. And so I, I really do think that East Hampton is a very nice addition in a city that doesn't have enough good sandwich choices uh, it's a it's a welcome addition to River Oaks District, both because of its quality and because of its relative affordability, right? It's it's you know I, you will be hard pressed to spend more than twenty dollars a person on a sandwich, a side, and a drink, unless you start ordering wine or beer. And I think it's going to be a really nice addition to Montrose when that location opens sometime in the next few weeks.
1: Agree on all the above. Should also mention that the donuts were delicious. Yeah. Those those were exceptional. Don't skip the donuts. I thought it was interesting, um, and I believe it's the case for the other uh steak sandwich offering, that they're both both served cold.
0: Yeah, I don't mind that at all.
1: And 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 that was uh I was a little skeptical, but have to say that that mm. in terms of temperature the sandwich delivered that vinaigrette that comes with the the sandwich that you had, I think, really took it up. It really elevated the sandwich. Um, and yeah, it uh, you know, if I'm thinking about sandwich places, that's certainly going to be near the top. And it's interesting. I find myself doing this more and more thinking to myself, you know, I just wish we had something that was, you know, convenient and good and the price was okay and just kind of checked all the boxes and and then you have a place like East Hampton which I think does a pretty good job of checking those boxes and then just kind of want to pick it apart well it's not this and it's not that um it was very tasty um the space is is welcoming location's great and
0: yeah and the ability to turn those to get them not necessarily as sandwiches but also as wraps or salads I think that's uh, I think that's really important, and it makes it slightly more viable as a dinner destination than maybe another sandwich place would be.
1: Yeah, right across from the IPIC, absolutely. Mm-hmm. If I was going to see a show, I would would uh, feel very good about grabbing a sandwich beforehand and then heading over to IPIC. There's Emerino Gelato's right there. Um, so... Yeah, it's a welcome addition.
0: All right, and then briefly, since we said that we would, um, I have been to UB Preserve. You have been to UB Preserve. I, I know from talking to you offline, uh, that you that that I'm very excited about UB Preserve. After and I've been three times, uh, your first visit was not as successful. Um, I know you you don't want to be given the stink eye the next time you go there. But just briefly, what was maybe the one or two things that you wish had been different about your UB Preserve experience?
1: Well, I just I, I think need to obviously go back. Um, the menu's a little bit larger than um, what I think you can do with one other person in, in one sitting. The crispy rice was absolutely delicious, um, and that alone would would keep me going back. Uh, and it's but you know it's still young it's just opening um the promise of what that restaurant has is is very exciting um big Chris Shepard fan uh you know having Nick Wong come from from LA to Houston is is a very positive um it's in the neighborhood so I'll definitely be back but um yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will
0: say I had a, uh, I, I had on back to back days a very satisfying dinner and then brunch there. Uh, I'm impressed by the quality of the dumplings that they're doing. That half chicken stuffed with sticky rice is, I think, going to wind up being one of the dishes of the year just because visually it looks great on a plate and then the flavors and textures really come together really nicely. Uh, I think it is fairly obvious that Chris and Nick and then, uh, Nick fine, his, uh, his culinary director for the whole group of restaurants that he now operates, uh, put a lot of work into the menu, a lot of thought into the technique and it's just, um, maybe the, the first really like, uh, start to finish satisfying new restaurant to open in Houston in 2018. Uh, And so I will happily go back with you uh, and hopefully you will have a better experience and and my run of good meals there will continue.
1: Well, and, and, and to be fair, it wasn't a bad experience. I think you get into some of the, the theory of uh, what I call the theory of expectations where, um, you know, wasn't, um, was it's still young the menu's really playful i think they're still probably working out some dishes um there was price points right the menu's interesting the desserts were was that 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 cafe's carrot carrot cake cake is outstanding It's i mean just bury me in the Cafe carrot carrot cake so uh, there's a lot to like. I just, just think it's working out the kinks, and it's uh, but it's fun to watch. You know, it, it's good to see that evolution of of um, and, and it's a reminder that opening a restaurants tough. Um, again, not saying that there was anything wrong. The crispy rice was absolutely delicious. The carrot cake was a great way to finish the meal, and having a barista on site to do the coffee. Uh, to me was something that I wish more restaurants would do so yeah including Nobu uh. <laughs> <laughs> yes including Nobu
0: all right that does it for the restaurants of the week Matt thank you uh, we can follow you on Twitter and Instagram at that guy Houston all one word uh, and as for me I'll be right back with Ryan, Sor- Ryan Soroka from 8th Wonder Brewing thanks Eric You're listening to What's
1: Eric Eating?
0: Our interview this week is brought to you by Eighth Wonder Brewery, one of my favorite local breweries, conveniently located in East Downtown. It's been really fun to watch Eighth Wonder evolve from its sort of humble beginnings in a little corner of a warehouse to now a gigantic warehouse, the huge backyard that they call Wonder World, where you can go before sports games, especially with uh, soccer season and baseball season heating up. 8th Wonder's Brewery is conveniently located uh, within walking distance. You might see my colleague Fred Fower walking around there. I know it's a favorite spot of his. And there's always something new to try at 8th Wonder. Like they just released their Procrastinator Session IPA, the official beer of doing nothing. They're going to have their hip hop series rolling out here in the next little bit. And, you know, you can always count on 8th Wonder Beer to be refreshing, delicious, and fresh because it's made right here locally all the time. So, thank you to 8th Wonder, and here's our interview of the week. So, a a very appropriate guest this week. Uh, As always, the interview is brought to you by 8th Wonder Brewery. And so, we're here with uh, one of the owners of 8th Wonder Brewery, Ryan Soroka. Hello, hello. Welcome back. My pleasure. Good to have you.
2: Thanks. It's been a minute.
0: Yeah, it's been it's been a little while since you've been on the show, uh, which is why I wanted to have you back, sponsorship or no, because you guys, you're always busy. There's always something new going on at Eighth Wonder. Uh, why don't we start with the brewery? Uh, you brought beer, sure did, which I very much appreciate. Uh, I'm drinking a Haterade, the Goza, and you're drinking a Boss beer, the first of your. Houston Hip-Hop Collaboration Series.
2: That's right. So uh, let's start off with Haterade. Haterade is a Goza. It's actually a very, very old traditional German beer. It's a sour wheat beer. The The beer has been inoculated on purpose with a souring bacteria. And then it's actually brewed with coriander and sea salt. It's a very mild beer. less than 5% alcohol by volume. It is salty. It is sour. And it is very very refreshing
0: yeah this is what i drink in summer and there are other beers like it that are brewed around town out of out of respect for your presence here in the studio i won't i won't rattle them off but i will say these this is a very food friendly beer it's a very refreshing beer and it is this is this is a good like patio one especially uh you know, with the, the hot summer temperatures, you want know, to sit around a pool all day, you can, you can basically crush these and still be basically okay.
2: Yeah, it is, uh, you know, the only thing that might throw some people off is the saltiness and sourness, but um, sour beers are definitely gaining popularity, and this style particularly goes as you're just going to see, uh, I think, a lot more brewers brewing it, um, and we got nothing but love for all the other Houston area and Texas and national craft brewers.
0: Yeah, but there are there are sour beers that are like mouth-puckeringly sour. I've never developed the palate for those, but I do like a goza.
2: It's kind of a nice balance. Um I think you nailed it with this heat. This is a very refreshing um you know, you've got the flavor, but you don't have the big body or the big uh, booziness. Um, definitely have a little bit of citrus, natural citrus element coming out from uh, the, the coriander and just the the recipe itself. But um, we're really excited for this. It's definitely one of our most anticipated releases, and it is available in cans and on draft.
0: And then talk about the Boss Beer. Cause...
2: Sure. So I'm sipping on the Boss Beer. Um, that is a a collaboration with slim thug and it's the first of our three collaborations with some iconic houston hip-hop artists um next in the rotation is people's champ and that's with none other than paul wall and then rounding out the year will be brew gk and that is with mr bun b himself so we're really excited we're honored to have these relationships with these legends and really music idols growing up um and it's just a fun way to kind of you know tip our hat to the Houston scene and culture here. Um, but Boss Beer is a pineapple wheat. It's also very mild in alcohol. We design most of our beers like that. It's five uh, percent alcohol by volume, and it's uh, a very smooth sipping wheat beer with just a whisper of pineapple. So how does
0: that come together? I mean, how does what did what did you talk about with Slim Thug when he came to the brewery to talk about? this beer how did you settle on
2: pineapple you know we've met with each rapper individually um and this has a very long storied course but it really all started with bun and we met bun by way of eatsy boys food truck outside of fitzgerald's probably in 2011 and he just happened to drive by see our truck ordered some food and we kind of hit it off and uh kind of worked this relationship with him and said, hey, we'd love to do a beer with you. And the first beer we ever released was Brew GK, this this kind of apple Kolsch. And, you know, one thing led to another, and, and, you know, he's friends with with the other local legends, and they kind of caught wind of what we were doing, and they reached out to us to do something similar with them. But we've always met with each individual artist, um, kind of see what their flavor preferences and profiles are, what they like, what they don't like, and really design a beer ground up with their input. Um, you know, he wanted something that was easy to drink wanted, uh, he wanted some, some, something exciting, some sort of fun ingredient. And we landed on pineapple, uh, complements the wheat very well. And, um, it's been fun working with him and, and the rest.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember sitting in the Etsy boys cafe on father's day. I want to say probably 2013 bun rolled in with his family. Uh, it's it's funny for me because I didn't listen to a lot of hip hop growing up, so I know him sort of through the food world, and I don't I don't have an emotional connection to his music like I, but the way that other people that were in the restaurant that day just sort of reacted to him, it, it's uh, you know it's it's like any other rock star who would have walked in,
2: you know Bun and Slim and Paul they are not only local legends, but they've definitely gotten national attention. And um, again, we're honored and lucky to to have this relationship with them. And, and you know, we, we continue to look forward to, to working with them in the future.
0: But, you know, I, I wished Bun that day, I wished him a happy Father's Day. And he, you know, he said, thank you. And then I tweeted about it and he confirmed that that was a trill thing to do, <laughs> which is probably the first and last time anything I have ever done Will be described as trill. Well, so don't forget, I was very flattered,
2: Eric. Don't forget, trill recognized trill.
0: <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt very fortunate that day. Um, and then you do a lot of events at the brewery. Does that slow down in the summer with the heat, or or do you still you still have some stuff cooking?
2: We're definitely very event driven, um, just out of a genuine desire to connect with the community, both on site and off site. We do a lot of events. Yes, when this, when this heat is as thick as it is right now, and, and you're wearing the heat, you're wearing the humidity.
0: It's like a warm, wet hug.
2: Yeah, nonstop, right? Um, things definitely come, they, they slow down a little bit, but we, we have uh, a few fun events coming this summer. Uh, it's going to be our second year hosting the Slab Holiday, the big car show with all the slabs. Um, we're going to do Screwed Up Sunday again. That's a little bit later, uh, summer, and uh, you know... Well, Come September, hopefully it'll cool down a little bit and we'll kind of be uh, ramped up full effect with numerous events throughout the year.
0: And of course, the brewery remains, as I, I talk about in the promotional spots I, I do on behalf of the show, the brewery remains a great place to pregame before baseball and soccer matches.
2: Baseball, soccer was fun for basketball. We'll have to catch them next season on that. But um, yeah, definitely, you know, if, if you're going to be in the downtown or east downtown area, we welcome you all to to come, enjoy a few beers responsibly. Check out the neighborhood. Go visit the other amazing place, uh, places that have opened up just in the last few weeks. And oh yeah, no, we're,
0: we're coming to that. Don't yeah, worry.
2: it's uh, it's definitely a fun place to be.
0: And then, but you don't just brew beer anymore, Ryan Soroka, You have other uh, you have other endeavors.
2: You know, we like to say, Eighth Wonder is all about fermented fun in East Downtown Houston, and. Um, yeah, just kind of a natural extension of our passion, our expertise, our our business is moving on to uh, distilled spirits. Beer is forever and, you know, will always be our our first true love, but spirits are, as I mentioned, a natural extension of what we do and what we're interested in. And um, so we opened up Eighth Wonder Distillery right across the street. We're still about probably six to eight weeks from really being open to the public, just kind of doing a little bit of uh, housekeeping and some homework before we open up. But uh, we're going to launch with uh, some clear spirits, vodka, which will be eight times distilled, Uh, some hop-infused gin, so using some of the ingredients, some of the hops from the brewery. Uh, And then we're going to do some white brandy, basically some unaged, Uh, distilled wine spirits. Um, But of course, we're really eager and excited to get into the brown spirits, uh, primarily whiskey and bourbons. But, um, you know, we can make them now or make them this year, but they won't be ready for a few years. They've got to sit in barrels and age.
0: So, so many questions. So will those primarily be available at the distillery or, I mean, can we anticipate seeing them on back bars around town or on store shelves?
2: Yes, the long-term goal is to have them around town, on shelves, back bars, uh, liquor stores, what have you. Um, Probably for the immediate uh, future, we'll kind of keep it on site or restrict it to just on site, and that's primarily to lock down everything, make sure recipes are finalized, and and really get a good feel for our operation and and learn how the distillery tasting room, what kind of volume, how many people are coming in, and don't want to. uh, We we try to manage expectations and try not to. Overpromise and under deliver. So we'll probably keep it on site for, I don't know, maybe six months or so, and then open it up to uh distribution.
0: Well, the, and there was going to be another vodka distillery uh, right around the corner from you. That project has fallen through and the, the craft distilling movement really hasn't come to Houston in a major way. I mean, other than Whitmire's and yellow Rose, I'd be sort of hard pressed to name anything. Else. And
2: those guys are doing some great things. Um, you know, they make some some great products, but I, I think you're right. I think there's still a, a long road ahead for craft distilled spirits in Houston. Um, we're seeing more pop up throughout the state and throughout the nation, but it's not like the craft beer scene, which is, you know, I mean, that has that just blossomed and it's, you know, there's over 6,000 breweries and counting in the nation. Um, we're not quite there yet with distilled spirits, but I, I think – uh I think the trend's going to move towards that way. I think consumers ultimately like to know who's making their products, you know, coming from independent, small mom-and-pop businesses and, and supporting local as often as they can.
0: Do you, I mean, have you started to get into the mechanics of making whiskey and bourbon? I mean, we've, we've had Morgan Weber on the show before. He's talked about some of what he's going through with that. It's, it seems like there's a lot of small details that will ultimately have a big impact on something that's going to be aged for five, seven, even 10 years?
2: You know, we've really only been playing around with the clear stuff, the stuff that doesn't, that's unaged. Um, We're still waiting on some of our larger equipment to move forward with our uh, whiskeys and bourbons. So we'll have to cross that bridge when we get there. But absolutely, Morgan's right. There are a lot of nuances, Um, even, you know, with brewing, even with making food, um, little details can have a great impact on uh, finished product.
0: So what are the, so talk about, I guess, I mean, vodka's kind of vodka, but, but talk about the gin a little bit because I just don't feel like, yeah, I, I, what, you know, instead of the regular botanicals, what are, what are you doing?
2: Sure. So I'll jump real quick to vodka. The standard of identity for vodka is colorless, odorless, and flavorless. And let me say we are doing just that. We want our vodka to be super, super smooth, um, and in our opinion, we think it's very clean, very smooth, so we're excited for that to release. Um, Yes, and then the gin is basically taking a neutral grain spirit base and infusing it with different botanicals, and the most common botanical for gin is juniper, Um, and we have juniper in ours, but ours is definitely not juniper forward. Um, We've got coriander lemon peels lime peels orange peels uh assorted roots and herbs and really the big thing we're playing with is our hops as we are a craft brewery and we use a lot of hops hops is a uh, it's a plant it's a flower it's actually a weed and it's uh very aromatic, very flavorful, and uh, it's used in brewing for flavoring, uh, for aroma, as well as bitterness. And really what we're trying to do with uh, the hops and the gin is extract some flavors and aromas, primarily citrus, maybe some pine, maybe some fruitiness from from the hops.
0: So do you anticipate that there's going to be some crossover between maybe craft beer drinkers who are looking for a more floral flavor in their alcohol is that is that kind of the idea
2: i think gin is on the up and um while you know may have been third tier kind of spirit i think there's a lot more interest in the spirit now and seeing how there's quite a bit of complexity and nuances to the product, people are starting to appreciate it more um and hopefully hopefully we'll see the consumers really trending that way as well um but ultimately, it's a fun spirit. It's you know it's complex and it's refreshing. Um, and you can make some fun cocktails with it too.
0: And have you thought at all about Agave? I mean, it just seems like in Houston such a natural fit.
2: We definitely want to play with Agave. You know it's kind of a touchy subject in making sure it's handled appropriately and it's coming from the correct and legitimate sources.
0: Right and you you won't be able to call it tequila. It
2: will not be tequila. Um you know it has to be made in tequila for that designation. Um tequila Mexico that is. Um now I I think down the road we'll definitely play with some agave. It's we're not coming out of the gate with it and um but we do want to have some fun with with all the different spirits.
0: So good. So eighth wonder distillery coming Soon. this summer. Yes. Uh and then I uh, I recently toured the East Village development, which for a long time was just Chapman and Kirby and Seaside Poke, and now includes Rodeo Goat and Truckyard and will soon include three new concepts for Microcall Hospitality. Uh, Ryan, I, I'm just going to be blunt. It just seems like it's all happening in East Houston right now.
2: We're really excited. Um, and you're right. It is really all happening. It's, kind of crazy in a matter of just a few weeks when those uh, when truckyard and rodeo goat open as you mentioned Chapman and Kirby and, and Seaside Poke have been there for a bit but you know with the goat and the truckyard coming online I mean that neighborhood has changed overnight the amount of pedestrian traffic the amount of late night traffic um, and it's a good thing we're, we're happy for it. we're excited for these neighbors we, we really can't wait for the agricole group to open their three concepts you know, we're not saying we were the first person east downtown. We weren't. There were there was that corner, um, you know, yeah, Lu- Lucky's, Lucky's and, and Warehouse Woodrow's. and Woodrow's, sure. all that. That's been there. But in our specific remote corner right there on, like, Dallas and Hutchins or Polk and Hutchins, yeah, we were the only ones there for a while. Um, and for us, we think these neighbors are a good thing for the neighborhood, uh, a good thing for the city. Um, we're excited. It's definitely creating some buzz and excitement in the neighborhood. And, and we hope more and more people come check out the neighborhood. And now you can go to that, you know, that corner and you can walk to four or five different concepts before you need to even leave a few blocks to check out the other kind of original East downtown concepts.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I was talking to one of the managers at Truckyard, and I said to him, I said, I heard you guys had a $50,000 Saturday. And he said, no, no, that was Friday. Our Saturday was even bigger, hmm. so that I, I mean, just in terms of sales, uh, they're on a pace for places like Axelrad or even uh, Kirby Ice House, some of the highest-grossing bars in the city, and seemingly out of nowhere, with like very little marketing, uh, very little publicity. Uh, I will say, I like that bar quite a bit. It just feels good. It's it's cool. It's got the, the shipping containers and the uh, a little bit of like a. Uh, almost like a junkyard vibe in a, in a good way with like the, the auto parts that have been turned into benches and the and the Ferris wheel which they're, they're not even letting people on yet because they're still working out the insurance but uh, but that will be happening soon and then once that I think once that Ferris wheel starts spinning it's going to be even more crazy there
2: I gotta, I gotta give it to both the GOAT and to uh, the truck yard they both did a fantastic job with their space and the build out and, and the decor and you know, the key is they're, they're cranking out great products, you know, offering great amenities to the neighborhood. And, yeah, they're both slammed. And that's great. Good for them. Great for the neighborhood. And, you know. Um, they both have 8th Wonder available, so that's good for you. we support 8th Wonder. We're, we're, we're fans of them uh, personally and professionally. And, we're again, the neighborhood, if you haven't been to East Downtown in a while, come check us out again because it is very different from even just a few months ago.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. And not that, you know, Midtown or Washington Avenue or any other places that people usually go out at night um, are taking a step back, but this is the new place. I mean, and and again, you know, hopefully the Astros are going to have a great season. Uh, Pre-game, post-game, these are good spots to go to.
2: Absolutely. I think, believe it or not, even though it's summer, nine, ten months a year here in Houston, bars with outdoor spaces do well in Houston, even in this intolerable heat. Um, we're just used to it as Houstonians. It, you know, The heat doesn't stop us. We, you've got a good outdoor space, good food and some good drinks. Houstonians will be there.
0: Yeah, I've, I was talking about that with uh, a mutual bartender friend of ours. These This trend of patio bars just doesn't seem like it's going away. Holman Draft Hall just opened in Midtown. Great that spot. place is slammed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Asselrat is still killing it. Kirby mm-hmm. Ice House is still killing it. I mean, even if you talk about some of the more veteran establishments, Cottonwood is still very busy. LaGrange still does pretty totally. well. I mean, you know, this trend just isn't going away.
2: I think Houstonians like to talk about the heat and the humidity, but that doesn't stop us from living our lives and, and going out and being active and enjoying. Yeah, there's enjoying. like a
0: kind of defiant like middle finger in the air, like this humidity is not going to slow us down.
2: No, though. it's no different than it was five, ten plus years ago. I mean, you know.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I grew up here, you grew up here. We both went to high school here. I don't remember this many venues that like gave people a place to gather outside. I mean, there's, I don't there's know. Just either, something really. about this moment that we just seem to be very receptive to this.
2: Yeah, and it's but it's been happening for a while. I mean, even we're, we listed off a bunch of bars, but think about the amount of restaurants and eateries that have opened up small outdoor dining spots that are still full, you know, and it's not just booze bringing people there. It's, it's, it's food. It's, it's entertainment people. Again, they want to be outside, um, for better or for worse. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's just, I guess who we are as a city. (laughs) What other trends are you seeing around town? I mean, you're, you know, you, you, the nature of the brewery is that you have to be sort of everywhere all the time. So, so how's like how's life in the suburbs these days? I mean, what are you what are you seeing?
2: Well, the suburbs are some of the fastest growing areas in town for craft beer. Um, you know, I think traditionally they've been a little neglected, not necessarily on purpose, but a lot of the development and hot spots and the places that get all the media attention tend to be inside the loop or inside maybe the beltway and you know, Houston's a very very large city. What is it is the fourth largest city in America, maybe soon to be third. Growing all the time. Right. And there are lots of people living beyond the loop. More people, I'm sure, live beyond the loop than they do inside the loop, right? And there are fast growing communities, young communities that they want lifestyle and entertainment options as well. And they don't want to come into town and commute for these options, they want them in their backyard. So, you know, Katie, hotspot, the woodlands, hot. Sugarland still growing. Pearland one of the fastest growing areas in the country. These quote-unquote suburbs of Houston are new areas of growth for the food and beverage industry. And um, yeah, we, we hope to expand our, our presence and our awareness in those new markets. Right. I mean, I was out in
0: Cyprus at Rose Hill Beer Garden a couple of months ago on a Thursday night, which is basically a food truck park with a bunch of beers on tap. Have you, I don't suppose you've been out there now, uh, certainly one of your accounts. I think I, I think I probably had a dome phone. Nice. Thank you. But, uh, but yeah, this is a, basically a food truck park in a field and it's slammed on a Thursday with families and people eating crawfish and, uh, Shannon Craft burger truck is out there. That's great. Yeah. So this, these, these places and these venues that we value, uh, inside the loop, I I mean, the same things are happening in the burbs. Absolutely uh, and then you guys are in San Antonio
2: yes, we've been in San Antonio for almost a year, um and we're about to open two new territories this year. I got to keep it under wraps until the ink dries, but in texas and we'll be we'll be opening up two new territories very soon. I'll let you know eric don't worry you you'll get this you'll get the scoop all right, let's let that ink dry that
0: that is that is a reasonable and practical thing uh Ryan, before I let you go, is there anything else uh there are any other topics you want to you want to hit while you're here on the show?
2: The Houston craft brewing scene is growing, a lot of great new breweries opening up. Support us all, visit as many as you can and um, you know, support craft independent.
0: Do you, do you have a, a favorite newbie? I mean, I I've, I've been trying to, to touch them all. I've been to I've been to Eureka Heights, I've been to Holler, I've been to Balissa. I really like Balissa. I've, I've
2: been to all three of them and they're all making great beers. And what's fun about this scene is Everyone's got a little different personality and everyone's making some great beers and, and a wide array of beers. So again, check out your new neighborhood brewery, support some of the older, more established brewers that may, you know, not be getting the attention. There's big, small, new, old. Support independent craft beer.
0: Yeah, and it is fun watching the scene grow. You know, it doesn't feel like that long ago that Eureka Heights was just getting started uh, draft only limited to their neighborhood. Uh, now they're in Cannes. soon. They're going to be all over the city. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an exciting time for beer in Houston. And I, I got some pushback on Twitter recently from someone who was like, we have too many breweries. We don't need more breweries. Uh, from my perspective, it seems like the breweries that get started are finding people who want to buy their beer. So by that standard, it seems like we should keep going.
2: There's plenty of room in the Houston market for more entries. Um, they actually just released the uh, 2017 industry review, and I'm proud to announce that we're the number 14th craft brewery in the state of Texas. And we're a top 225 brewery out of 6,000 something in the nation. And we thank our fans and our supporters for drinking our beer, and we're going to keep on making it if you keep drinking it.
0: Man, I mean, that's, I mean, you guys have been around for what, about five years now? Five years, that's right. It seems like you've come a long way and not a lot of time.
2: You know, um, we don't really get a chance to to soak it in. But when we opened, we were the sixth craft brewery in Houston. And last I heard, there's almost 50, maybe over 50 in the planning phases just in Houston alone. So, yes, as you mentioned, great time for craft beer drinkers. And, you know, support local, independent craft brewers the best you can. All
0: right. Ryan, uh, you've you've already done the lightning round before. Let's do it. But... I I didn't uh, I didn't specifically create new questions for you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to riff, and we'll come up with uh, five easy questions, five short answers. Say the first thing that comes to mind. Uh oh. What is your favorite Eighth Wonder beer?
2: Haterade for sure. Excellent. Although second, yeah, I know you want a short answer. Procrastinator, which is our next seasonal. It's a session IPA, very citrusy and juicy. Very nice. Uh. What is, the, uh, what is the first
0: album you ever bought?
2: First CD I ever bought was Green Day Dookie. <laughs> uh, where is your
0: favorite place to take your wife on a date?
2: It's probably going to be Passing Provisions, just good old faithful. Um, it's, it just hits on all cylinders every single time we're there. Um, but I will say I just hit up Nancy's hustle for the first time last week and we were so impressed.
0: That's in your neighborhood. How has it taking you six months to go to Nancy's hustle? Don't,
2: house? don't even, I, first off, I've got a almost three-year-old kid and we have another one on the way. So, uh, basically under house arrest, but the grandparents took our son for a week and we, we did a little mini pregsterant week. Oh, very nice. Yes. And, uh, Nancy's hustle was, was very good.
0: Who is your favorite current astro?
2: altuve all the way
0: and then finally uh i usually ask people what their favorite place to get a taco is i'm gonna ask you where your favorite place to get a burger is
2: best favorite burger in town that's a loaded question man i got so many friends making amazing burgers but i will answer your taco one taco tierra caliente food truck to answer your burger not
0: brothers tacos
2: brothers is a close number two. all right close number two but ttc is just really solid also um I think E.T. Boy's makes a phenomenal burger. I'm biased. But if we're going fast food, I'm a Whataburger guy. All right? All right. But if it's more gourmet style or chef-driven, Bernie's and Burger Joint, pretty close neck-to-neck there. And I was really impressed with Rodeo Goat. I know I gave a lot of answers there, but...
0: I I think Rodeo Goat's making phenomenal burgers, They
2: sure are. All
0: right. Uh, Tell us about the website and all the social media
2: places. Absolutely. You can find us at eighthwonder.com. That's the number eight th and on the s- social medias the instagram facebook and twitter we're at eighth wonder brew
0: all right and you can follow me on twitter at e sandler on instagram at eric sandler keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest houston bar and restaurant news thanks so much for listening i'll be back next week